Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. The question we throw out there to you as we kick off hour number two of the show, if you can get one high-ticket price free agent offensively or defensively, who or what would it be? You might not know who's a free agent just yet, but maybe an area of the team that you think needs addressing. Hit us up on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Vegas Pete said Brady has to be that high-priced ticket. And I bring that one up because, well, Brady has a little something-something to do with the next guest that we have on the show. Joining us on the phone lines is Eric Galco, uh, player personnel director from uh, East-West Shrine Bowl. And, Eric, thanks so much for your time. And Brady one time played in the East-West Shrine Bowl game. So there you go. My man DeMond brought that up earlier, so that's the tie-in there. And speaking of Brady, he used to be a longtime Patriot. We found out today the Patriots and the Falcons, they're going to be the coaching staff for the East-West Shrine Bowl. What went into the consideration and the ultimate decision on those two teams? Yeah, the, the way the process works is good to talk to you guys again. The way the process works is uh, NFL, the NFL league office asks teams kind of in reverse in draft order, right? So the, the team with the worst record in the league and working its way down. But teams that have turnover or change and their coordinators or head coaches are kind of excused, which if you look at this, these, this year's non-playoff teams, quite a few of those teams made some changes in their coaches and coordinators. So we're very lucky and very excited to have two teams with the Falcons who are an up-and-coming young team, and a lot of talent on that roster. They're really excited to coach the Shrine Bowl. The New England Patriots, who are you know a very successful team over Bill Belichick's run, found Tom Brady there 22 years ago and drafted four Shrine Bowl players a year ago. So we could not be more happy with those two teams coaching the Shrine Bowl this year. And I can tell you, talking about both those teams, the last 16, 17 hours, they are incredibly excited to go out to Vegas and coach the Shrine Bowl this year. I bet they are. They get an up-close and personal interaction with these players, but how big, Eric, is it for those players to get that interaction with those coaches? Yeah, it's an awesome opportunity. It's good for the players because, A, they're going to be treated as and coached as and go through a whole week like they're an NFL player, right? It's a dry run for these guys to be NFL players for the week, which is incredibly value in itself. But to get coaching from Bill Belichick and his staff is incredibly impactful for their development, for their growth as players. These guys are still, in large part, college players, right? This is their mm-hmm. first foray into the NFL professional world, and they're going to go from likely very great, very good, great college coaches to now NFL coaches, the best of the best to be coached. And then last but not least, these guys know that hey, if they really impress on and off the field during the week of practice, the team that's coaching them might draft them in late April as well, too. So a huge, huge benefit for all of our players to be coached by the Falcons or the Patriots. You know, Eric, we've talked a bunch of times that I've never asked you because it's only a week that these coaches get with these players, so they can't put everything yeah. into that week. So what are the priorities? How do they go through the, okay, we've got to make sure we work on this throughout the course of the week? Well, I'd say for one, it's really it's great to see and talk to these coaching staff because while they want to be selfish – and they want to make sure they get exactly what they want to see on these guys. They also know that, hey, all 32 teams, every GM is going to be at this Rumble at practices, and they want to do a good job for the other 30 teams to make sure they can get a good evaluation of these players as well. So that's first and foremost, these teams understand that the NFL is a brotherhood, make sure they can run a great practice, keep these players fresh all week long, prevent injuries, all of that. But really these coaches want to put these guys in – somewhat simple situations, right? Still run NFL playbooks, but not go crazy with install or complex offense or defense. 
they want to put these guys in position to be successful and see who rises to the top and who fits what they may want as a player. Right? They're not looking for necessarily the best players, but the best players that fit their scheme. And every team is going to see that differently. So I think the benefit these teams really have during the week is not just to grind these guys or, or test them on the Patriot way or the Falcon way, right? Mm-hmm. But more about, hey, we're going to get up close look at how these guys may fit into our locker room. Like looking for guys that are going to fit to what their team might need, not just who the best players in the field are. So it's really a great opportunity for these teams to kind of get a sense to kind of dry run some of these players and kind of imagine them in a Patriot, in a Falcon jersey when they're on the field and off the field too. Talking all things East-West Shrine Bowl game right now with Eric Galco here on Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. I know that you talk to people around the league when it comes to scouts or coaches about the Shrine Bowl, but do you also talk to some former players and maybe take away what they learned, and does that help you improve the Shrine Bowl for the future? Absolutely. Talk to players from last year's event and talk to not as much. I've not talked to Brock Purdy the last few weeks. He's been pretty busy, as you guys know, same thing with Skylar Thompson. But, but I'll talk to previous years of Shrine Bowl players and last year's players too. And, and really, I, I tell our players, and my goal all week is to keep these players healthy and fresh physically and mentally because every one of these players that we're inviting will be an NFL player for some stretch of time and all of them I believe can be long time NFL players and they can show that ability if they're at their best all week long so make sure they have the best recovery resources make sure that they have enough sleep can kind of get some get away time to kind of debrief this is a, is a you know seven day long interview on and off the field for NFL players so get talking to these players from a year ago making sure they know hey what worked what didn't where they have the right break time, et cetera, too, because at the point these guys are going to be at their best all week long. So I talk to a lot of foreign players consistently, mostly words of encouragement, mostly happy birthday, but, but certainly as well, hey, what do you think about what we did last year? Can we make this better for the guys that are coming down the pike? And again, the NFL and the football world in general is a fantastic brotherhood, and these players and these NFL teams want to help each other out as much as possible. All right, and with that being said, the players that you have talked to, are there go- is there going to be anything not drastically different, but some little tweaks that you've made from last year to this year with the Shrine Bowl? We'll have, uh, you know, we'll have more recovery resources for players, um, which is really important. We have the best, obviously, opportunity for these players to use the Raiders facility, to use Allegiant Stadium, but also all the recovery resources. That's first and foremost. But honestly, the big change this year is being these two NFL coaching staff. That's going to change quite a bit in terms of how we're operating, what these teams want to do. And when it comes to how best to coach these players and put this to succeed, I'd rather just like to build Belichick and Arthur Smith and not put my input too much either. So we're going to leverage and lead on these two great NFL franchises on how they want to make sure these players set up for success all week long. Eric Galco is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned Skylar Thompson. You mentioned Brock Purdy. I talked about Tom yeah. Brady off the top. When you start seeing these guys that you saw in this game, the Shrine Bowl, you start seeing them getting some burn. You see them play, and you're like, hey, that guy was right with us in Vegas last year. How does that make you feel, You know, knowing how much you put into this? Uh, it, it, it's great, and I think it's always important that, hey, the Shrine Bowl is just one stop on their long journey of NFL success. But we're, we take that stop very seriously. I think some players benefited greatly from being at the Shrine Bowl a year ago. Some players were always going to be successful, but there were players, I can point to different stories of, of when Brock Purdy, what he showed during the week of practice on and off the field that I think some NFL teams got really excited about, et cetera, too. So, you know, for me, it's about kind of finding the small ways to help each individual player. And again, I think I said last time, there's probably previous times of talking with you guys, the best part of this job is working with the players directly. And I want to make sure, like I'm a teacher out there, right? Make sure, hey, what does this player particularly need during the week of practice to show? Or how can I help him before he gets there so he succeeds on and off the field, too? So it's really important for me to make sure all these players have a chance. Because, again, I stress all 130 players we have at the Shrine Bowl have the ability to be long-time NFL players. If people thought before last year's draft 
There's no way they thought Brock Purdy was going to be a playoff quarterback, and here he is on one of the best teams in the NFL, right? We, we know that these guys can be successful in their draft process. They can have a great NFL career, and that's what we want to make sure we do for each one of these guys. What's the hardest position? I mean, you've been scouting these guys for a long time. Have you found a position that's kind of the hardest to determine this is going to be a successful dude in college and this is going to translate to the NFL? Yeah, I, I think one of the hardest positions for us to really decide on roster-wise is, is receiver and defensive back. And that's because there's so many good players out there. It's really hard to say, hey, what's this guy going to be? There's these great slot receivers. There's the big, long-edge players who are jump ball guys. There's the you know, six two guys who run four threes. And I think for NFL teams and the NFL right now, you see it, there's a bevy of talent at receiver. I think a lot of blossoming talent at cornerback that people are realizing too. And for me, you know, I only have so many roster spots that we can have these guys here for. So it's really like, you know, picking the, the, the best players I possibly can and hopefully not missing too many good ones on the side there too. But I would say for us, receiver and cornerback, you know, offensive line, there, there's a lot of good ones out there, but never enough. But receiver right now in quarter, it feels like there's plenty of guys, and for us, it's about finding the best best receivers, best corners we can to. But that's the hard thing for us right now is that there's it's a good problem to have, I'll tell you guys, but it's the problem <laughs> is that there's too many good receivers and quarterbacks out there right now. I just got my credential approved today, but it feels like it's so <laughs> much time before the Shrine Bowl, but I know it'll be here before we know it. But are the rosters finally set for everyone that's going to be attending? Not yet, not yet. Mm-hmm. Part of us, we wait for our two NFL coaching staffs to kind of get their say a little bit, get the last couple spots of guys they may want to see. And then, of course, there are some players that just played on Monday yeah. in the national championship game that we've invited to wait to see what they want to do. And then a couple players kind of debating whether they want to go back to school or come out and play in the Shrine Bowl. But, but we'll be close. We're hoping to get as final as possible sometime next week. So we're fired up to kind of get this locked in. And, again, our two NFL teams are, are chopping the bit. They're arguing who they want to coach and who gets which players. So it's a funny little competitive aspect here as we get closer to game time. Eric, I told anybody that would listen that this Monday night national championship game was going to be close. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> it was close when it was 0-0. What did you think about that whooping that Georgia put on TCU? I, I think Georgia is a pretty special program right now and, and so much talent. And I think what they've shown at Georgia is – their second team might have been able to really compete with TCU. Mm-hmm. And that's how much talent they have with that program right now. It's not about the TCU because TCU's got talent. maybe multiple yep. players coming to the Shrine Bowl this year. So right. it's not their fault at all, too. But when you're Georgia and you've got five, six receivers that can play easily, it's really exhausting for a defensive back. If you've got, you know, 10, 15 defensive front seven guys and the future NFL players, it's hard as an offensive lineman to, to play all those snaps that way, too. And then on top of that, Seth and Bennett, that Georgia offense, had such a good game plan that first quarter that by late in the first quarter, early second quarter, I think TCU probably already felt, okay, it's not going to be our day. So, I, I, you know, TCU is a really good football team. They were one of the best four or five teams in college football last year, no doubt. But I think we're seeing a different kind of program now with Georgia. And I think we'll see if Georgia has finally taken a mantle from Alabama. But they're, they're no joke. And I'll tell you, spoiler alert. They're going to be having to play off again next year as well. I wouldn't bet against them either. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I actually heard their defense next year is going to be better than their defense was this year, which is a scary thing. So, Eric, as yep. we wrap this up, I know my man asked you about the rosters, if they're set, and I know that there's some more guys that have to accept their invites, but what's next? I mean, we're a couple weeks away now from the Shrine Bowl taking place, at least the week of practices leading yep. up to it. What's next for the Shrine Bowl and everything you guys got going on? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna reveal our official roster next week, including how the roster is split. So I'll let okay. you guys and the rest of the people in the media kind of, hey, I wonder if the Falcons wanted this guy. I wonder if the Patriots fought for this guy. So I think with this team split will be a next 
kind of cool discussion point because we'll kind of see which teams wanted which guys and how much they wanted them. Does that mean they're going to draft that guy? So it'll be a nice, fun thing to come up with the side as well, too. But we're excited to finalize the roster. Believe me, it's been a long process. Mm-hmm. I would love to have our 130 lockdown as soon as possible, but there's a lot of great players out there that kind of deserve that attention and that time to figure out their next steps and, and work on to get that finalized. But next week, roster reveal which teams have which players. It should be a fun uh, fun week to talk about that stuff. I'm excited about it. The Shrine Bowl, the official game is uh, February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. We'll have tickets to give out. Of course, you can get your tickets now. You can always go to ShrineBowl.com and check it out as well. Eric, we thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you next week as we get closer and closer. Maybe that roster will be finalized. Yes, sir. Talk next week. All right. There he goes. Eric Galco. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Director of Personnel for the East-West Shrine Bowl game. And there's 130 players. That's going to be split up. And, I mean, we've already talked to them about some players that have accepted their invites early. There are some dudes that are going to be playing. You got your uh, your credential uh, approved. I got my credential approved. We're good to go, man. I mean, it's going to be sooner than, than you know it. We're going to be talking, like, full-on draft. We're talking free agents today. We're talking about free agents that are on the Raiders right now. But at some point, we're going to get full-throttle draft, and this is a big step. I love the the biggest nugget that he gave us is that the coaches get to decide, you know, they're going to be fighting mm-hmm. over who they want to play. So I'm going to be looking at the Patriots and the Falcons a little closer in the draft right. as well. Where it's like, oh, did, are they going to take some guys that they got in the Shrine Bowl? That's a nice little nugget there that the coaches, that they get to decide, hey, we, kinda, we, we want that corner on our side because they want that advantage of that's a guy that they're looking at drafting. I'll tell you right now, the Patriots really benefited from the Shrine Bowl. Uh, last year because they got Tyquan Thornton in the second round mm-hmm. and he was the burner, right? He went to the combine and he blazed the, the the fastest speed, but he was right here in Vegas at the Shrine Bowl. And so I'm interested to see if they dip back. And you know, the Patriots are always kind of dipping into different territories when it comes to grabbing a player from here, grabbing a D2 player, grabbing this player. Like they, they will, they will find players all over. So to know that they were dipping right into the Shrine Bowl last year and came up with a second round pick. Think about that. A second round pick. Brock Purdy was a seventh round pick. Right? Tyquan Thornton was a second round pick, and I know his speed had a lot to do with it. He could be a player, man, and he looks like, and he was a little bit banged up this year, so he didn't get as much burn. But I'll tell you right now, man, there's some talent that's going to be here uh, at Allegiant Stadium on uh, on February 2nd for the East-West Shrine Bowl. And as I mentioned, we will have tickets to that. 3.15 is the time when we come back. Josh Jacobs, we got a chance to catch up with him in the Raiders locker room. This is from Saturday. We played Monday's uh, locker room action, but I want to take it back to Saturday. He only had about 60-something yards rushing. He didn't even know he was going to play because what was going on with his dad. Really good conversation with Josh Jacobs in the Raiders locker room. You'll hear that next. Plus your calls and texts. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. If you could bring in one big ticket free agent, offensively or defensively, who or what would it be? The reason I say or what is because you might not know all the free agents out there, and that's okay. It's only January 11th. You have plenty of time to go through free agency. Hell, the regular season hasn't even, or not the regular season, but the, the Super Bowl hasn't even happened yet. So uh, we know there's a long time before free agency actually opens up, but as we're trying to look at this Raiders roster and try to figure out how they get this thing turned around quick, fast, and hurry. You saw what you saw in 2022. So, Raider Nation, you're smart. We're all smart. We know what we saw. So where do the improvements need to come? I don't think that it's smart to try to put a whole roster together like the Jacksonville Jaguars did by way of free agency, even though it worked for them. It's not sustainable, in my opinion. You've got to be able to hit on the draft as well. So the draft is going to be very important for the Raiders. But if there's going to be a high-ticket free agent out there, who would you want? I said Jerron Payne. I think that they need a big-time defensive tackle. 
He had 11 and a half sacks this past season for Washington. He's a hell of a player who probably won't get paid in Washington because they already got a bunch of other guys on the defensive line that need to get paid or already got paid. So I think he'll end up being the odd man out. I think that's a guy that the Raiders could definitely uh, jump all in on. And you said uh, C.J. Gardner uh, from um, the safety from Philadelphia. Uh, that would be a, a good guy, and he's relatively young too. And that's the other thing. If you're going to look at free agents and you're going to spend some some big coin, get one that's on the correct side of 30. Real quick, because we had a couple of texts. They they mentioned Levante David out of Tampa yeah. Bay. He's already 32 years old. Yeah, see, that's so a that tough was one, one of me. I'm yeah. glad you said that because he was someone I looked at the name like, eh, where he's 32 years old already. And if Denzel Perryman, if he's already, you know, he's at 30 yeah. and he's coming off of injury, a 32 year old linebacker. I know the team is in win now mode. They're in win now mode now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how much longer does a 32 year old linebacker like? How many more years of productivity would he be giving you? Right, exactly. Rob in Oakland hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I like the idea of a pass rush and defensive tackle next to Max. It will strengthen a strength. In order to improve the roster, I'd go the other way and get the best right guard for two reasons. At many positions, big-ticket free agents get paid big and fail to produce. I believe that's less likely in the interior offensive line. Two, Chris Jones is doing to us what you want us uh, us to do to other teams. He's an interior pass rusher that's been killing us for years. I do realize the defense needs a massive talent infusion. That's Rob in Oakland. Makes great points. And, and the trenches have to be addressed, right, on both sides of the ball, offensive line and defensive line. I think that's a no-brainer and a great text, Rob. We do appreciate that. So I can see you going after a big-time offensive lineman as well. I think that there might be a couple that you can get in the draft, but, I mean, if you can go and get one in free agency that you feel comfortable, again, I'm just looking at one big ticket. I'm not looking at a bunch of big tickets. So, you know, you, use your money wisely, right? I mean, we were looking at Spotrack.com, and the money that it would take for pain would be about – uh, estimated around $71 million. C.J. Carter-Johnson from the Eagles, about $71 million, five years. How much money are you willing to spend on that big ticket as opposed to just going and trying to get a guy in the draft? We'll get one more text, and then we'll hear from Josh Jacobs. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, good afternoon, gentlemen. Great topic today. Here's my input. My big ticket free agent has to be guard Nate Davis for the Tennessee Titans. No secret. We need immediate help on our O-line. I believe Davis would help out in a big way. He made $3 million in 2022, so his asking price will go up. However... We must address the O-line. On defense, big-ticket player is cornerback James Bradbury from Philly. Again, no secret that our defense needs a major uh, makeover. Let's load up on defense. Heck, it's not my money. Raider pride, gentlemen. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. And, yeah, I just think with James Bradbury, if they weren't willing to spend the money on him when he was released from the Giants, I don't see them spending the money on him now. I just don't. He had a good season, but he also had a good season across from Darius Big Play Slay. And when it comes to Nate Davis, the uh, guard from the Titans, I don't think if you're going to spend some big money, it needs to be on the right tackle. Because I'm not saying that guard isn't as important as mm-hmm. tackle, but if you're going to spend that big money because you got Dylan Parham, right. I think he's he's proven that he can be a quality starter in this league. Right tackle is that position that they should spend some big money and try to bring in someone to help out that offensive line. There you go. Good stuff. Sir Whiskey Ray, appreciate that. Keep those texts coming. 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go back to the Raiders locker room. On Saturday, uh, we talked to Josh Jacobs, and it was a, a pretty you know emotional conversation with Josh Jacobs because he didn't even know that he was going to play that day. So here's that conversation from Saturday in the Raiders locker room. Josh, after the week that you experienced, you just take us through the emotions. It's sort of a roller coaster for you, but then the decision to come back to Las Vegas to play. Yeah. Uh, really, it wasn't my decision. I wasn't going to come back. Uh, for me, family always, you know, before anything, uh, especially, you know, the severity of uh, what was going on, what's, what's currently going on. Um, but, you know, my dad uh, had woke up and uh, 
could tell me he wanted me to play, so that's why I'm here. Was a report that we read that My your son actually is the one that called 911? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, so, yeah, my son, I mean, uh, my son and, and, and my dad are like best friends, like, you know, so they always like, you can't, you always see one, you always see the other, but um, man, I'm just, probably, I'm just happy, you know, he's, he's really smart enough to, you know, understand what was going on in that situation. Um, you know, it was rough for me trying to explain to him, you know, uh, what happened and, and stuff like that, so. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I told him I'm proud of him. My pops, my pops said he is hero, so, yeah. When was it that he uh, woke up and told you he wanted you to play? Yesterday. Oh, yeah, I got in late last night. Late last night. Really, really probably ran off, running off of four or five hours of sleep right now. I'm kind of, you know, out of it, but, yeah. And he had surgery Wednesday. Yeah, he had surgery. Um, keep going up and down uh, you know he, he has a unique heart um, his heart is like backwards compared to like you know a normal heart um, so the surgery took longer than, than expected and, um, and it's and it's been a lot of hiccups uh, in the last few days so yeah the fact that he told you that he, he wanted you to play today how much was today's game this was probably the hardest game I've ever played. Uh, not in the sense of physical or anything like that. Just mentally, you know, like trying to stay in it. You know, like being on the sideline and having too much time to think. You know, and um, think about what's going on and think about, you know, steps out and, you know, being being a rocker, being a rock of your family. It, it's, it's never easy when, 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 you know, the person that's your rock, you know, um, is going through it, so it's just been it's just been an interesting time for me. When you the week, how much support would you say you've been able to get from your teammates who got on your back? Yeah, man, uh, that's what made coming back, you know, good. I mean, basically the whole team. I mean, even even people upstairs, you know, that don't really work with me every day. Um, I definitely got that love and uh, that that support. Um, I mean, when I when I told Josh, you know, I was thinking about. You know, going home because the situation was going on. They, everybody had my back with it, you know, and uh, and they knew it wasn't really about football. So I appreciate them. You know, that's just the love that they got for me, and I got the same type of love for them. When you're watching Monday Night Football and what takes place, and then the next day, how surreal is that? Like, you, you know, your every NFL player's mind is on Hamlin, and all of a sudden yeah. for you, boom. Yeah, it came. It became, it became even more real. I mean, you. I mean, you think about what happened on the field. I mean, that's a reality for a lot of us, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, just with this sport and how physical it is, um, you know, and it was crazy because we was, you know, talking about it, praying, praying for him, for, for, you know, for tomorrow. And then for me to have experience, you know, my pops with, with his heart, it just, you know, it, it hit a little more home. How much does it put in all of perspective? I mean, after obviously the Lamar situation, and then, you know, at the end of the day, I, mean, I know it means a lot, but it's just a game. Yeah, man, I mean, I looked at it from a few perspectives. You know, I, obviously I, I, I thought about, you know, the risk and things like that. Uh, but I also was like, man, it made me cherish these moments. You know, you don't, you don't, you never know when your last play is. You never know when your last game, you know, your last second, your last moment with the team. Um, doing, doing, playing the game, and you know, doing, doing something you love. Uh, so for me, it just, it just put me in a different perspective. I mean, obviously with, with my pops, um, I just, I just wanted to be there for him, you know, and uh, let him know that he had my support. Um, and, you know, let him know that you know he's a fighter. And, um, 
that we love them, you know, and that we got them. So. Is the plan to return home? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna go back. Yeah. When, when it happened in Demar, you know, obviously worldwide, league-wide, country-wide, everyone prayers everywhere. But this is something that happens to everyday people. It yeah. Happens to your pops, and then I don't know if you're aware, but local young lady at high school on a flag football field, she collapsed and passed away Thursday. Yeah. After everything. Um, it, it, it's a very real thing where it's just everyday people that can suffer for something. Yeah, man, I mean, it's just putting in perspective, you know, how precious life is in general. You know, uh, I think we get caught up, especially in this sport, you know, with the outcomes of things, with, with wins and with, with losses and how good you played and, and things like that. But you kind of forget that, you know, like life is more important, you know. Um, and for me, man, I mean, that's all I'm caring about right now, you know. Uh, you know, trying to be there for my for my dad, but also, you know, my son. Um, with him having to go through that and experience that, you know, without anybody being there. Um, you know, and I had to try to explain to him that, you know, he did good. You know, he was thinking that he did something wrong and things like that. And, uh, it's just been a rough time. Here's Josh Jacobs from Saturday following the game against Kansas City, the season uh, ender against Kansas City, a game that he didn't even think he was going to play in, but because his pops told him to to head back to Vegas and go play in that game, he did that. You can hear the emotions in his voice right there, and uh, it was really nothing about football. It was just about you know life and what was going on, and uh, just, again, he, he won the Craig Long Award. Paul Gutierrez, uh, he, he gave him that award on Monday. There's a reason for that because even in an emotional moment like that, he still gave us five or six minutes of his time just to explain what was going on and what was going on in his mind. Joining us on the phone lines right now, someone who knows Josh Jacobs really well, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She always joins us to talk some UNLV, and we'll do that. And Paloma, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. You heard the tail end right there of your buddy, mm-hmm. Josh, talking yeah. about what was going on. Uh, what I mean, I can never yeah. stop talking about him because he seems to be an amazing young dude and just, you know, everything that he does. But when you heard what he was going through and, and the way he came back to play that final game, what was going on in your mind? Yeah, it was a tough, you know, tough week with, with him and his family. I'm really close to his family. And, um, you know, I, I know his mom has had some health issues, too, uh, lately. So, you know, I've been texting them and, you know, texting him and his family and, you know, it's it's just tough. You know, my mom was sick this past year. You know, I was in and out of the hospital with her. And, you know, when you got to go back to work and you kind of got to be on, you know, mm-hmm. you got to be on. And, you know, our job is perform- performance-based. Right. And, you know, you got to lock in and focus on work. Like, man, there's nothing harder than, than that when you got so much going on on your, your family side. So happy for him. I know he's back in Oklahoma and, you know, the whole family's out there with, with him. So, you know, just praying for him and, and his whole family. But, you know, just a lot of health scares, you yeah. know, to start the new year off. And with DeMar and everything and everything that DeMar was going through was kind of similar uh, to what my mom was going through, having to recover from pneumonia. And she was on an oxygen tube. And um, so I've just been like, man, it's been a sad, sad yeah. kind of couple of weeks, you know, on, on, you know, social media and everything. But, you know, to all those who are dealing with someone sick in their families, you know, my, my prayers go out to you. Absolutely. It just kind of lets you know, it puts everything in perspective, right? I mean, we, we report on sports and, and we get excited about it. We get frustrated by sports, but at the end of the day, Paloma, it's about life. It, you know, a young lady from Desert Oasis lost her life, a, you know, girls yeah. flag football player and, and, you know, she collapsed and it's just, I mean, you never know, right? So we, it's, we've got to really uh, appreciate what we have while we have it. Yeah, Definitely. Paloma Villacana is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So uh, UNLV 
They get back at it. Uh, they have a game tonight against Boise State, but they're coming off a big win versus New Mexico, a win that they needed, right? Uh, this is a 21st-ranked New Mexico team that they knocked off. They got their victory in, in conference play. How big was that win against New Mexico? You know, Q, I'm glad you started with UNLV, man. I wasn't going to go to Monday <laughs> night. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> you know, I was, as I was answering the call, I was like, man, I already know. I already know Q's going <laughs> to Blow me up about TCU, man. But we'll get we'll there. We'll get you. there. We'll start with UNLV. UNLV, yeah, I was, um, you know, not not many times in my life I can say, hey, it was a great, great trip to Albuquerque, New Mexico. But <laughs> it was a great trip to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I think the guys came out with, with a chip on their shoulder, you know, dropping uh, conference plays, opening up 0-2. They, they lost on the road to San Jose State in a game I think I think they should have come out on top. Um, you know, they were close in, in that San Diego State game, but, you know, they dropped that game against the Aztecs, too. So um, the guys were, you know, kind of pissed off heading into New Mexico. And there's so much talent on that New Mexico team, too. Ranked number 21, sellout crowd. I mean, that atmosphere was so much fun. But, um, you know, it was actually Jordan McCabe that kept that game pretty close. Um, you know, they tied it up. Right off, right out of the half. I mean, it was you know a one point, two point, three point score uh, game for for most of the game. So it was it was really fun. By far one of the best games um, I've been to this season on the road at New Mexico, and just a lot of confidence with with the Running Rebels coming off that that win. And um, you know, on my show with Kevin Kruger, I talk about how talented the Mountain West is, how each team you know in this league is so good and. Um, that has to do with part of the transfer portal with, you know, all these transfers from the SEC and the Pac-12 um, coming into the Mountain West and, and really elevating each roster. So um, they got Boise State tonight, the defending Mountain West champs, another talented team with a lot of veteran experience. Um, you know, that's a winning championship program over there, an NCAA tournament team. And, you know, they got Boise State and they got Colorado State on Saturday and I just don't think you can, you know, doubt or, or kind of just be like, oh, yeah, that's a dub. You right. know, cause every single team in the Mountain West uh, is really good this year. Um, and that goes for, for the women's basketball, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, every, every I, talking to every player, I mean, they are not taking any team lightly this year. and They know that every game is going to be a dogfight. Paloma Villacana is our guest from Fox 5 Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Let's say roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Take me back to Saturday. I wasn't there, but I need take you to me give back. back. Give take me back. Take me back. He's been begging yeah, for you to take him back. We're talking about Saturday, not Monday night. You know yeah, exactly. Saying? So we're, we're going to focus on Saturday a little bit longer because UNLV, they started out that second half, tying it up, and then going on a 9-0 run, I think, to just take that lead. I know that the atmosphere in the pit was supposed to be intense, and they are one of the most raucous crowds in the Mountain West. But once UNLV got that lead, was there any doubt? from you or the team that they were going to lose it? Gosh, it was just such a fight, you know, towards the end. I mean, it came down to like a three-point ball game, you know, with like a minute to go. I mean, it was it was a fight all the way to the end. And it was funny because, I mean, it was so packed and loud and hot in there. It's, you know, the, the entire UNLV bench, all the coaches, all the players, I mean, they were just drenched by the end of the game. I think Kevin Kruger, like, needed a towel or something. I mean, they are just drenched, but... Um, you know, it just it just came down to, you know, E.J. Harkless having a big second half. Um, I think he posted up 21 points in the second half. Uh, we saw him have a big second half against San Jose, too. So E.J. Harkless plays a big role in, in them, you know, closing the game out down the stretch. But I was talking to Coach about 
you know, how do you get EJ going in the first half? You know, how do you get him, you know, coming out faster? And he just says that he's such a target. You know, everyone's just playing EJ so hard. So for him to get going in the first half has been kind of a struggle. But he closes the game out for them, scoring 21 points, you know, a game high, 25 points in, in New Mexico. So EJ Harkless has been clutch. Um, but so has Luis Rodriguez, so has David Mwaka, so has Jordan McCabe. I feel like this whole roster has kind of, you know, stepped up their game after, after you know, dropping two, two conference games to open up, um, you know, the season. So the guys got a chip on their shoulder, but they also know, you know, how talented, how good each team is in the Mountain West. So it's going to be a good year of hoops for sure. A player that you didn't mention there, but he's a dog to me too, Keyshawn Gilbert. And him mm-hmm. and EJ Harkless in that backcourt, you've got a guy that's a young sophomore. He could be a freshman, as Coach said on the Coaches Show last night. Yeah. And then you've got EJ Harkless, a fifth-year senior. So when those two guys coexist, when the backcourt is really going and putting up points, but they both had five assists against New Mexico last week as well, are those two the catalyst for this Rebels team going further in this season? Yeah, I think Keyshawn feeds off of, you know, what he sees from EJ, what he sees from Luis, what he sees from Jordan McCabe. Those are all, you know, older fifth-year seniors. Um, I think he feeds off that. And, you know, Keyshawn, Keyshawn kind of struggled coming out the gate in, in conference play. I know he was dealing with, you know, Christmas travel stuff. Maybe his head wasn't, you know, totally ready to go against San Jose. But, you know, he, he played a great game against New Mexico, 14 points, 5 for 7 from the field. Um, you know, he had a great game, and I think I think Jordan McCabe was telling me they're really close. They're, they they were roommates, uh, I think, last year. But he was just saying, you know, I think Keyshawn just needs to go out there and have fun and and not think about it too much and just be himself. And I think that's what Kevin Kruger, you know, is telling the whole team. You know, you guys are so talented. Just go out there, play basketball, have fun. Don't get too uh, nervous and get too much anxiety about you know being perfect um, because he's got guys from from the Big Twelve from. The SEC, you know, this is a talented roster, and if they can all just play how they usually do, just having fun with that that 10-0 start and that, um, you know, scrappy defensive mindset they all have, um, you know, they'll, they'll come out on top. And they're facing a really good Boise State team tonight who's who's really talented and, you know, uh, really, really good on, on defense, and they don't let you shoot the ball too easily. And I don't think they've beat Boise State since, like, 2019, so it should be a good game tonight. I don't like to use this word, but I don't care if they haven't won since 2019 against <laughs> Boise State because they've got the momentum on their side, Paloma. Yeah. Come on, I'm I'm predicting a win. I'm going to go to the game You predict tonight. a win every single time I know they play. if it was up to me, they'd be undefeated right now. You're right. <laughs> there, you know what? There's not yeah. even a question there, Q. I it's know. just that I'm predicting a win against Boise State tonight, mainly because I'm going to be in the house. What do you think, Q? I I think Paloma's <laughs> laughing at you right now. I think Paloma's I think it's gonna be close, man. I you know, all these all these games are gonna be close games. You know, I don't think there's gonna be I mean, we've seen it, you know, kind of this past week, but all these games are gonna be close games and it just makes for fun fun Mountain West play for sure. It, it, I mean, is the key though to tonight's game, honestly, like just getting off to a fast start and not, not falling behind early and having to claw their way back? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we've seen from UNLV, a slow start in the first half. Usually mm-hmm. they only have like one player really going off in the first half. Guys are just trying to settle in. But I think that that settling in, that kind of like, oh, okay, now we're starting conference play, I think that's out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're, they're, they've got their confidence. You know, they beat two ranked teams. Um, you know, they just got a big dub on the road and probably one of the most hostile environments they'll play in this season. So I think it's kind of just like a check. Like they can do that. They can come out on top. 
Um, but the biggest thing that Kevin Kruger said was, you know, their communication, their togetherness. They were all on the same page um, Saturday night in New Mexico. So they need to continue to play that way uh, to come out on top. Coloma Villacana is our guest from Fox 5 Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you on the football side of things. The Rebels now have a new offensive coordinator. He comes from UT, Brennan Marion. Uh, what can you tell us about him? And, and, and is it starting to shape up now for uh, Coach Odom on the football side of things? Very I'm very excited. Um, obviously, we know what Texas is all about. We know the culture out there. Um, you know, obviously. And that's coming from a horn frog. <laughs> that's coming from a horn frog. <laughs> I know, right? I'm gonna have to give. I'm gonna have to like rub some elbows with him. And be like, hey, man. Uh, but you know, I, I'm I'm excited. You know, Barry Odom has brought a lot of you know great talent to his program from you know all over the map. So. Um, we know we know Odom's resume. We know you know what kind of friends and relationships he has in, in the college football world. So um, now that it's all coming together, we're actually going to speak with him tomorrow morning. Nice. He's going to introduce his whole coaching staff to us, um, and you know I'll hopefully grab an interview with him and, and try and get his thoughts on you know just kind of how how hectic it's been really mm-hmm. to try and grab coaches. Now that coaches, now that players can you know leave and go wherever they want and trying to to capitalize on on the transfer portal and build your roster and signing days coming up um so it's crazy because like basketball is in full swing yeah. and i feel like i'm having an orientation at unlv just meeting all the brand new coaches <laughs> and the brand new uh players coming up on on february 1st so it'll be exciting to catch up with barry odom tomorrow and talk about you know all the new faces he's brought into his program and that's that's from top to bottom. I mean, it's a completely brand new building in there. I think like only two former coaches um, stayed on his staff. So okay. it's, it'll be a completely brand new uh, football team this year. And I know there's going to be a lot of players, uh, a lot of players that are still coming in, guys that aren't there on campus yet, guys that are still going to either transfer in or going to sign on February 1st, like you mentioned. Uh, from the guys that you've interacted with, are, are they feeling pretty positive about the direction that the team and the program's going? Yeah, and I hope to catch up with them more tomorrow and, and, and as we get closer to signing day, kind of see what other big names um, are, you know, are headed to the program. But I think it's been nothing but optimism from, from Doug Brumfield and the guys who have stayed. Um, and it's it's great to see. You know, obviously everyone was really excited about Bobby Petrino, but, you know, it didn't work out. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to catch up with Doug Brumfield and the players. But from what I've seen and from who I've talked to, um, I think these guys are just hungry. They're just hungry for leadership, hungry to win, you know, hungry to to play in a bowl game. I mean, their their expectations, you know, last season when they started off four and one, you know, were so high to go to a bowl game, and you know, everyone was really positive and optimistic at the beginning of the year last year, um, and then it kind of just all fell apart down the stretch. But um, you know, this is a team that's been through. Doug Brumfield's been through a lot. You know, yeah. these guys mm-hmm. have been through a lot. Um, so to, to have a new face that's coming from the SEC, that's bringing talented coaches, you've got to be nothing but, you know, excited to see where UNLV goes this year. And let me give you guys just a little nugget that shows you how Coach Marion is different from oh the boy. fraud Ho- Bobby on. Petrino. Hold on to this one. His profile picture on Twitter. It's Larry Johnson. He's all in. That's all <laughs> I need to see. You, it's the little things. It's the small things. He's about UNLV 100%. Not like the fraud. Bobby Petrino, gig him. Have fun down there losing to <laughs> Texas, to Alabama. They're probably not even going to beat Arkansas next year. All right, is that how you feel? <laughs> yeah. Wow. This guy, Paloma. This guy. All right, well, there you go. As we wrap this up, Paloma, I got to go there. 
I got to go there and just oh, ask. Right. I got to ask the question because I'm still trying to figure out what in the world happened. I was oh, the guy man. that I told anyone who would listen, Paloma, that that was going to be a close game on Monday night. 13 yeah. and a half points was way too many to be favored by. And then the blowout happened. What in the world yeah. happened to TCU? You know, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's so funny because, you know, a lot of my friends and family were texting me like, oh, are you going to drive down to the game? Are you going to drive down to the game? And I was like, I'm so busy with basketball season and my mom recently getting sick. I was like, I I think I'm just going to hold out, you know. And then during the game, I was like, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing. At least I didn't, you know, head down there and drive in the rain and everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, Everyone from the TCU side of the of the ball is like, you know, at least we made it to a national championship for the first time in a million years. And, you know, you got to look at the, the schedule and everyone we've beat. And, you know, you got to look at, um, you know, just where the program is in its first year um, with their new head coach. So a lot to a lot to build on. Obviously, they're getting transfers from Alabama. And right. like that's all moving in the right direction. But, yeah, I mean, I, can't, I was like crying at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was definitely crying at halftime, and by the end of the game, I turned off my TV. I put my phone on mute. I was like, I don't want to see nothing. Like, right? No, that's yeah. That I understand. That's one of those where you just turn everything off and curl up in the blanket and act like nothing ever happened. <laughs> I was like, what game? I don't know what game happened tonight. Never exactly. Heard of it. Like, exactly. That's the only way that you could approach that. That was a rough one, but hey, a hell of a season for TCU. Yeah. Uh, the the, yeah. the, the recruiting is going to be fantastic now. I mean, that's Absolutely, really going to help. Yeah. So they're heading in the right direction. So Paloma, uh, what do you got coming out on the Rev Zone that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, I'll be catching up with Barry Odom tomorrow morning. Nice. We'll be going over his new coaching staff. We got the Running Rebels. They play Boise State tonight, Colorado State on Saturday. UNLV also hired um, a new volleyball coach. Mm. So I'll be sitting down with uh, their new volleyball coach, too. So a lot going on on the Rebs. And there's a lot happening at UNLV right now, which is with hoops and the Lady Rebels and, um, you know, uh, Barry Odom hiring his new staff. So... A lot, always a lot going on at UNLV. No doubt. That's why we catch up with you each and every week to see what the latest <laughs> and the greatest is. Well, thank you so much, Paloma. We appreciate you. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Q. See you guys. All right. There she goes. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, at Paloma Villacana on Twitter. And with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness, there is a lot going on at UNLV. And I'll tell you what, man, I don't care. Um, I don't care what I'm covering for the most part, which is obviously the Raiders, but I uh, would love to see UNLV. I would love to see all areas of UNLV get better. It's just good for the city. It's good for uh, everybody uh, to see UNLV better. And so, uh, you know, we'll see what Coach Odom's able to do on the football field. And the basketball team looks good. They look like they're good. They just got to. DeMond, they got to get off to a good start, man. They got to stop, you know, coming out of the gates really slow. They got to get off to a good start. Yeah, that's great because EJ Harkless, when you look at the box score, 25 points against New Mexico, but then you see 21 21 in the second half. Right. It's like, man, like, Mm -hmm. that's great, but can we get a little bit more of that? in the first half as well. So it's not like so much of a hold your breath right. and let's see what we can do in the second half type of a game. Exactly. 348 is the time. Raider Nation, we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. That is the don'tbebroke.com text line brought to you by the DLC. We're looking for one high-ticket free agent offensively or defensively. Who would it be if it was up to you? You don't have to give us a name, give us a position, or you can give us a name if you have one in mind like I did with Deron Payne. Let us know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 
702-365-9200. Also, our adobebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r Want to hear from you, but we'll also hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He met with us on Monday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We have a couple sound bites that we haven't brought to you yet this week. It's been a very busy week. Even though there's no games, there's no preparation for a game, it's been very busy. We've had a lot of locker room sound to get to, Coach McDaniel's sound. Of course, we have a lot of great guests on the show each and every day, from Adam Hill to Eric Galco to Paloma Villacana today. Lots of good stuff, so we'll continue to keep that rolling. But we threw out the question. Love to hear from you. You can go and get one high-ticket, big-ticket free agent, offensively or defensively. Who would it be? Only one. Don't give me a laundry list. Got to have some discipline here. 69187, keyword r Got some good text here. Mailman Raider said, hey, Q, you said big ticket? Okay, give me Lamar. <laughs> LOL. In all seriousness, I'll take Orlando Brown. Move Colton back to his spot coming out of college, and you also weaken a division rival. I also see that Jacoby Myers is a free agent. I wonder if he and Coach would want a reunion. And Orlando Brown is interesting to me. The reason is I think he'd be fantastic at the left tackle position for the Raiders, but the Chiefs traded to get him. Right. I mean, he was the he was the guy that they had to give up draft capital for. I just can't see them not coming to some kind of agreement on a long term deal. I just I don't see it as a realistic option that he's going to get out of town. But I understand where you're going with it. It's a really good thought. And I've said it and I talked to Adam Hill. Remember, we asked him about would you think about moving Colton to the right side? And honestly, DeMond, I would seriously consider that if I'm the Raiders. And also, you mentioned Orlando Brown, how the Chiefs had to give up draft capital to get him, but he threatened to hold out this year. Now, I'm not saying that— Because he wants to get some, He wants, he to, wants get to get paid. paid. He wants to get paid. And I, it seems like the Chiefs don't want to give him that record-setting—or not record-setting, but, you know, market-changing money right. where you're moving up there that well, that's high. what he wants to do. He wants to break the bank. He wants to break the bank, but I'm not saying that the Raiders should or they would. Right. But, hey, it's not a, it's not set in stone. You say that the Chiefs don't want to give—it might be— he might be too rich for their blood. It, it might be. I just I, I find it hard to believe that they would let him out of the out of the organization just because, like I said, they gave up capital to get him. But we'll see. Stranger things have happened, right? I mean, you saw what happened when Baltimore gave up draft capital to go get Roquan Smith. They're like, no, sir. No, sir. You ain't going nowhere. Uh-uh. We're going to give you a record deal. You're going to make $20 million a year, and you're going to negotiate that deal yourself, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. He's able to negotiate that deal himself. Speak on it. With the Ravens. And Lamar Jackson and his mama can't get a deal from them. I just don't think that they want to pay Lamar. I just don't think that they want to pay him with his style that they play. At least that's the excuse that they use. And he is injured, so I guess it's a valid excuse. I just I feel like that this relationship is bound to be another uh, franchise tag situation. Oh, Lamar's going to stay injured until the offseason because he's definitely not playing in the playoff it game. It just doesn't make any sense why he doesn't have a deal already done. It just doesn't. Like, he should have already had that. Honestly, I mean, look, just like Derek Carr had mentioned, you know, if the Raiders hadn't extended him, he would have gone out there and played. If it was one year, it was going to be one year. That's what he said when he got his extension, right? It just doesn't make any sense for a quarterback to go out there and be a lame duck quarterback, right? And so for Lamar to play this last year with everything that they ask him to do, it's not like they ask him to just stand in the pocket and throw these darts around the yard. They're like, oh, no, we need to use your legs. And so I know he's very good. And getting down, getting out of harm's way. But you see, right now, he's injured. So now in the front office, they're saying, yeah, he's a great player, but that availability, not quite there. Whose fault is that? It's theirs. It they is. put the team around him. It is. It is. So that's why I just don't understand where this situation is going. Because it don't feel like it's going to a good place, right? 
I mean, if me and you are going back and forth for what feels like years, I don't really know how long they've been negotiating, but don't it feel like it's been about two and a half, almost three years? Yes, and they knew that this contract, we, they right. knew that they were going to get to this point. Right. So I think that Lamar, with this injury, it should be no, to no surprise that he's just, yeah, not this week. Right. Yeah, not this week either. Man, it, 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 and it's not. It's, it's not a surprise, you know? And again, he, I mean, he having that kind of injury that he has and the way that he's, you know, got to use his legs, it's just... It's tough, man. It's it's a tough call there in in uh, in Baltimore. But I'll say this: with Roquan Smith getting his deal done, now they have the ability to use the franchise tag on him. So as soon as the season gets wrapped up, do not be shocked when you see slap. <laughs> right? That's what it's gonna be. You know what? What does the five fingers say to the face? Slap. <laughs> the best route do. to go would just be the Kirk Cousins route. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep getting slapped with the franchise tag, and at some point they can only do it a couple times. At that point, then you walk. That's really, it feels like that that's where it's headed. That's exactly what it feels like it's headed. Uh, one more quick text. Vegas Pete said, I felt like Paloma during our Super Bowl when Gruden was coaching both teams where she was crying at the end of the Super Bowl. Man, that was a rough one. Vegas Pete, thanks for that text. And I, you're right. That was such a tough one, man. I remember uh, reading a newspaper, and there was actually newspapers, not, not you know reading it on the internet. There was actually a newspaper when I was at the radio station at Q97. On the day of the Super Bowl, I, I actually did a show that day before the Super Bowl got started. I remember the one of the headlines in the sports page there uh, was Al Davis will be a genius if the Raiders win this because he just traded Gruden and got all this draft capital in return, got all his money in return. Oh, man, the Raiders are going to be geniuses if they win this one. And then it said, if they don't, well, then that's another subject. And that's all I remember reading. And then I saw what happened. And I was like, well, I guess it's another subject, <laughs> right? Still, you know, understand understand the move, but, man... That was a rough rough one, Vegas Pete. That was a real rough one. 3.58 is the time. We'll come back, get to some more of your texts, get to some of your calls. Plus, we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. We talked to him on Monday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.